Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Nightline is brought to you by the Dever Team. Your source for New Smyrna Beach real estate and everything else New Smyrna Beach. Go to www.thedeverteam.com and call UCF alumni Travis Dever for all your New Smyrna Beach needs. 386-690-1636. That's 386-690-1636. Welcome to UCF Nightline, your source for UCF sports and former player information. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fegley coming to you from the 1148 studios, and this is Nightline 178 from the award-winning Nightline Sports Network. Joining me as always, Trace Trilko. Hello, everyone. Our position-by-position reviews continue with the running backs. He's now former UCF punter Mac Loudermick, and he is on the Nightline Hotline with us this week. Hoops insider Ben Stout on UCF sleepwalking in Memphis. See what I did there? Plus, we look at the winners in the second annual Nightliner Awards. Baseball and softball are back. We've got sound, but first... All right, that is the theme from the TV great ER. Oh, so, yeah. It's and, been a while. Yeah, it's been a while for that show, but uh, we were trying to think of some stuff, and that was what came up. So I guess we're just going to talk about McKenzie here a little bit because he had surgery on Friday. Fifth. Fifth surgery, yeah, and uh, everything went extremely well. I've gathered a little bit of information. I, I can't say everything that I know, but... It went very well. He had an all-star cast of doctors there to do that. At the Mayo Clinic. At the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And things were better than they expected when they fully got in there and started looking at things. So he's doing great. I think he was traveling back to Orlando today, actually. Did it surprise you from your medical knowledge when uh, his mom was posting that it was about nine, nine and a half hours since she had seen him go into uh, surgery was it expected that it would take less time than that, or is that normal, or what, what's your sense of that time frame? I wasn't sure what they were expecting, but I know that they had to be very careful with some things. You know, I don't want to go into it a lot, but there was obviously some nerve damage, and that's an extremely delicate, extremely delicate operation to do. So uh, the guy that they really went to see there at um, in Rochester is a specialist when it comes to that stuff, and that's why they went to the Mayo Clinic. They went there specifically for that doctor, and I know that there was a lot of doctors that were involved in this thing. Everybody from Dr. Andrews, who everybody knows from for knees, to uh, the guy at, at UCF. 
that does things. Dr. Levy is the guy's name in Rochester, and that's kind of what he specializes in. So honestly, I didn't expect it to take that long, but now that I know why it took that long, I feel a lot better about it. And I know that he came out 100% and the knee is is uh, completely stable at this point as far as, you know, the ligaments and everything else. He just needs to do the rehab stuff now. Uh, but everything with the nerve and everything has been very positive. Most of us are familiar with ACL, MCL, those sorts of things. Is the recovery, the rehab similar now to what it would be if this were just a typical ACL repair? I think so. But, you know, the biggest thing, like I just said, the nerve, the the thing with this nerve that goes down your your leg and that you have to worry about um, is being able to, when you walk or when you run, you, you have to pick up your toes. And that's what that nerve does. So honestly, if, if that nerve would have had too horribly much damage, you would have had a thing that's called drop foot. That's a huge, huge thing, especially with somebody that's an athlete. It's a big thing with anybody being able to walk, period. Um, but even a bigger thing if you ever want to run or make cuts or anything like that. So the nerve damage that he had was, wasn't the worst nerve damage and it wasn't the, the, the least nerve damage, um, as far as I know. And so, you know, that was the big, the big thing. He's doing as good as well as you could possibly do through something like this. Possibly even better than people would expect. Um, and, I don't think that things were as bad as I think I said it before, but I don't think things were as bad as, as first feared as were feared. Yeah. So which is good or as bad as they could have been. I think that that's probably all I really can say about that. Though, but, but still, as as we're here at the end of January, the the mindset still has to be that this is a long recovery to be in football. Oh, yeah. Playing shape. Absolutely. Uh, remember, the immediate concern was saving his leg and having a normal quality of life and walking. Yeah. There's a difference between someone like me who had an ACL repair right. going back to normal living and the difference between being an elite level college football quarterback Absolutely. of his variety right. who cuts and runs that recovery process. That's still a long way away. So I, you never know the power of healing. Uh, he's young, he's fit. Uh, but we still, I think, as as a fan base, really can't expect that come fall camp in August that you're going to see Mackenzie Miller out there no. running with the ones. No. I mean, so, no. right? No. Yeah. If you see him it's in not... some capacity throwing the ball on the sideline or something, like that, that's just different than in-game. We will be happy to see Mackenzie Milton walking without crutches when it comes time for football to start, personally. That's what, you know, and, and I think it'll probably be beyond that at that point, but... That's what we really need to be happy with, with seeing McKenzie, uh, is just walking and walking, you know, with as little of a limp as possible. Remember you know? some weeks back, uh, Paul Bourne from CST in New Orleans got that interview for us with Teddy Bridgewater, and it is a long recovery. So once you get past the physical, and he's had the five surgeries now, it is mental. And there may with be that more rehab. surgeries coming up. I don't know. I, I'm not aware of any, but uh, there may be more. It for seems sure. though, from a mental standpoint in the recovery he has a tremendous support system uh, around him and uh, no doubt that's helped him 
with the recovery to this point. Great family members and family support and girlfriend support and everything. Helps like that the that. girlfriend's an athletic trainer. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's a little more help. aware of things. Yep. So and and I'm really happy that uh, Mackenzie's mom and his dad and the family have been as transparent as they have. They don't have us. to be. This they don't have to son. be at all. They no. don't have to post messages nope. to Twitter or reply to text messages. Nope. No, they Not don't at have all. to at all. Not at all. And and it's really cool that they have. Um, that shows you what kind of a family that Mackenzie has personally. So it um, It's certainly been transformative for all of us in the fan base from that very difficult time watching him go down in Tampa uh, to see the way everybody's rallied. Not that I thought that was unexpected of the well, UCF I, fan I think base, that, but... Yeah, I think that a lot of people are emotionally involved in it. I mean, I think that that's a big thing. I mean, I was. I mean, I've, I don't know how many times on here I've almost freaking cried. I got tears in my eyes right now. He uh, feels like he's our kid or well, our, our family, family member. Yeah. I mean... Everybody, you know, in the organization or, you know, fan base and everything. I think that we we come together when something happens. And luckily, we haven't had this kind of a situation uh, in the past very much, you know, where something like this has happened. But it says a lot about a fan base um, that would support family members and players as as much as they do. And I and and I know of instances where uh fan base has has helped out each other as well uh in certain things. So I mean we have a good we have a good fan base for sure. Um Night Nation is is strong and and they're they're good to each other except maybe on Twitter sometimes <laughs> when you say the wrong thing. Yeah, we, well, that's it's a good update on uh, McKenzie. When we last were together, we were kind of... It's been a while. Well, yeah, it took off. Well, yeah, because you had something in the way. Oh, what was man. it? Oh, yeah. It was it was the Tom Brady show, unfortunately. It was exciting. It was. It was a great game. I was beside myself. It, it almost felt like the Fiesta Bowl again. I was <laughs> having the same... You experienced it back to back. Yeah, I was having the same emotions, so... Oh. I was just beside myself. This Mahomes is a heck of a quarterback, though. He's incredible. For Kansas City. He's absolutely yeah, incredible. It, it's, it just wasn't their time yet. And, you know, maybe Hopefully. Tom Brady will one day retire. <laughs> or maybe we'll just be talking about this for the next 10 years. Oh, boy. I hope, I hope he does. Let him win the Super Bowl so he has a chance of retiring. Oh, you think he'll retire after he wins? Or if I think he would retire if he won more than he would retire if he lost, personally. Mm. I think he's the kind of guy that wants to go out on top. I, I just want him to go out. I don't care if it's on top <laughs> or on bottom. Just go. So needless to say, we were off. But we were talking about the quarterback situation. Yeah. And at that point, we were you know, just speculating whether one of these transfers have come in. And, of course, now we know Brandon Wimbush comes in from Notre Dame. My big takeaway from that is he left Notre Dame. To come to UCF. That is big. And it's I think big. that cannot be understated, the yeah, importance of that. No. But it seems now, in a way in which it didn't seem when we spoke, that we got ourselves a little quarterback battle, in a way in which yeah. perhaps we didn't before. Yeah, I mean, we do, definitely. Uh, I, I mean... May the best <sighs> man win the job. Yeah. I think we're going to see both of them, no matter how it shakes. Yeah, I, I think that... They've both got their qualities, and they've mm -hmm. both got their faults as well. Uh, talking about him and Mac, Brandon Wimbush and, and Mac. 
I don't think, honestly, personally, I don't think that one of them is, is so much farther better than the other that anything is set in stone. No, right I don't now. think it's set I in mean, stone. Wimbush comes in with experience. I mean, he played Notre Dame. He you has know, Notre Dame plays a tough schedule. He has the experience, but he does not have the arm that Mac does when he has protection. So uh, there's been a couple really good breakdowns. Uh, the one guy, I, I can never remember his handle or whatever, but he does incredible breakdowns on stuff with the gifts and all that stuff. And, and he did a great breakdown on, on his throwing ability, on, on Wimbush's throwing ability. And, you know, so, I mean, I'm excited about it because there's going to be some competition. I, I'm... You're I don't torn. Know. You're torn. Well, I, you want Daryl Mack to win this I job. Want, I want Mack to win the job. I do. I do. I believe in him. I, I've watched tape. I've seen what he's been able to do. Uh, somebody I kind of argued with on Twitter the other day, oh, well, he lost the Fiesta Bowl for us, this guy was saying. And I'm like, no, he didn't lose the Fiesta Bowl. You, were, you weren't watching yeah. the game that I that's was. Unfair. If, if you unfair. You know, you think that that's what happened. That's unfair. It's totally unfair. Mm-hmm. Um if you know anything about football, that's not what happened in that game. It was the offensive line, you know, got manhandled all day. That's what happened in that game. You can't do anything if you can't have time to do anything back there. Shout out to the sons of UCF. I know a lot of our listeners listen to them. Their last show, they had uh, someone who covers Notre Dame breaking down yeah, Wimbush cool. more. So yeah. go back and listen to that if you haven't already. Um, They're doing a great job. Um yeah, so the best guy's going to win this job. It's and it nobody's could be, job. It could be Dylan Gabriel. You never know. I, I mean, think this gives us an opportunity to redshirt him. There's no, there's no mm, rush to. But I, yeah. I think it'll be the best guy. I think we see both of them in some capacity. You never I think know. Wimbush gives you some things on the ground. Uh, he's elusive, and you know the quality of play. I don't want to knock the American, but you look at Notre Dame's schedule, and they they play. They play a murderer's well, row. He week did in and lose week out. his job in, in at Notre Dame as well. True, true. So uh, he's far from perfect. So several people posted polls. Who will be the starting quarterback? I'm not comfortable with that kind no. of poll, so I didn't post one of those, no. and I didn't vote in any one of those. I don't know who's going to uh, to win that job. But I think UCF is better for this competition, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, competition, uh, you know, helps anybody. I mean, no matter what position you're at, if there's somebody wanting to take your job, even, you know, not even in football, if you know that somebody wants your job, you know, you're going to work harder, whether it be at McDonald's or wherever the hell it is, you know, you're going to you're going to work harder. And Brandon enrolled in January. They found a way to get him in and yep. get him into classes. So. Uh, before long, well, he's uh, a grad transfer, yeah. so I mean that. You before know. long, we'll have spring practice. Uh, they announced the spring yeah. game this week. What'd you think of that, by the way? April thirteenth, Saturday, April thirteenth. Not excited. Two thirty p.m. Not excited about two thirty p.m. I was a little surprised by that. I, I well, thought they had some success yeah. with the night game. You know, the Apollos are home. Orlando Apollos are home on that Sunday, and they're playing at UCF Stadium. So I wonder if something that about the turn time to do with it. That you know, may have something to do with it. I mean, this is not a stadium that's used to turning something around. For the next day, yeah, right. That may they have don't have a lot of events it. in that. And, yeah, and, and, or I mean, you never know what what the reason was for them to do that. But I'm I'm okay with it. I just you know it, it could have been. I like the night ones a lot better. 
you know, personally, but I'm just excited to hear the word spring football. I mean, because this is this time of the year. I hate this time of the year more than any well, other. Well, the time Orlando of the year. Apollos are going to be upon us, and there's several UCF guys on there, so it does feel like it's a little bit of a bridge from the just concluded uh, college help. season and, and NFL season, and we'll have yeah. we'll have some you know ten games, five home, five away. The bridges into spring ball will be back. We'll have spring ball coverage, and then that spring game comes in there. So that could help. But then there's that second lull. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, let's not get to the second law yet. Oh, boy. I'm looking forward to racing at this point. I think that that's uh, the most exciting thing that's going to happen for me for a while. Racing? Yeah. All the car racing. Well, yeah, because, you know, the the 24 hours of Daytona was this weekend. It got cut a little bit short, a little bit shorter than 24 hours because of the rain today. What a miserable... The, the deluge of yeah. of rain that we've we've gotten and uh and then you know next weekend is the uh i think it's next weekend or the weekend after is the daytona 500 so it's rolling rolling all right so in our position by position breakdowns we're talking about running backs really just lose taj mcgowan they're, they're stacked at, at running back and now with the emergence of greg mccray of guys too so and the emergence of greg mccray uh boy you feel good about the running game well, Greg McRae could play, I think, honestly, if he can put on a little bit of weight between now and the fall, 10 or 15 pounds, and, and he will be an absolute monster. He could play for anybody. I, I saw one article, I think it was on, I don't know, it was on the web someplace, but it it, it had the the 10 best running backs in college football, and they were listing him in there. Yeah. Yeah, so, he was listed on there. He College is football news or one of those. One of those, yeah. But I, I hundred percent, I hundred percent agree with that. That he could play for anybody, um, and we have him at UCF. So now, in retrospect, with the emergence of Greg McRae, uh, I think they need to figure out ways to better utilize Adrian Killens and Otis Anderson. Now that they have Greg McRae and you know what he gives you. Okay. One thing with that, I'll be interested to see if both of those guys are here when foot, when football actually really starts. I, I won't be, would not be shocked whatsoever to see one of those two guys go someplace else, but assuming they're back, assuming they're back, they need, don't to you be... think you can utilize them in yeah. some different ways? Now? Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you know, it, this is different. It's different than this is not the guy. The coach that we have is not the coach that recruited those guys. So he has a different mindset as far as running backs go and what he wants to do with a running back and what his offense does with a running back. These guys don't particularly fit his you know, but their weapons, if utilized um, they are, differently we'll and effectively, if, yeah. But we'll see if if he uses them properly because he didn't last year. Obviously, he tried to run Adrian Killens until he figured out that he had Greg McRae. Tried to run Killens up the middle all the time, and I, that obviously didn't work. What they need to do is is bring him into the screen game. But th- there's not a lot of screen game in the, in this offense. So uh, if they can figure that out and figure out a way to do it. That more power to him, obviously. I mean, that would be where you would use these two guys. I mean, it's not dismissing what they produced in 2018 because no, we have a thousand yard a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't either one of those two guys either. No, but but, I mean, you know, Adrian Killen still scored, and and there's so there were still opportunities for these guys. It just seems like 
they could be more. But when but, you've got a guy like Greg McRae, it has, it's a lot less carries for the other guys. So, I mean, and it, I mean, Bentavious, I guess, is, is a, a little bit bigger guy than, than these other guys, I believe. So I, I would assume that he would fill the role of Taj McGowan for this year. Um, so I don't know. I mean, if they get a screen game or something going, that's where you'll see Adrian and Otis a lot Still more. better to have these guys back and those weapons at your disposal if you're Josh Heupel oh, to yeah, try and absolutely. figure out how to utilize these yeah. guys to maximum benefit. Yeah. Plus, either way, with Wimbush or Mack, you have a mobile a guy who can run the ball right. as well, different kinds of styles of running. But we saw for Mac, he's not afraid to put the shoulder down and, and plow forward. No, so, no, definitely not. And Wimbush, his highlight tape, uh, you know, uh, you know, all sorts he's of a big runner. runs. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's a runner way more than he's a thrower. I mean, that's where he excels at is running. So running seems to be we're in good shape. Oh, yeah. No matter what it is. No, I mean, this this offense is built around the run game anyway and the long pass. So, I mean... You know, that's what you're going to see. I mean, they'll, they'll figure it out. Josh Eipel is just going to get more and more comfortable here and, and dealing with the players that he has. I mean, it has to be. Last year had to be hard for him to come in here and not know a soul that <laughs> was here. Yeah. Um, this year he's recruiting some guys. I mean, you see the offensive linemen that we're getting. We've talked about that before, how they're a little bit of a different offensive lineman than – We've then Frost recruited. This is the crappy thing about uh, coaches, you know, coming and going because Frost never really got a whole recruiting class. Now Heupel has to take on part of his recruiting class and wait a couple of years to, to get his guys out and get his, you know, get Frost guys out and get his own guys in. Um, I hope that one of these days we see a coach here for more than, you know, two or three years. Yeah. Well, and you talk about bringing in his own guys. It's completely lost now with early signing day is the traditional national signing day. It doesn't matter coming anymore. Up. Yeah, it doesn't UCF matter. UCF only has a couple of spots. The two ha- they have two spots. Yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So that is now anticlimactic, uh, and the bulk of that work is done then in December. Yeah. I like it, though, uh, because it doesn't give a lot of guys time to think about what they want to do. It doesn't give them all this time. It doesn't give them all that time for, for other schools to come start talking to them and, and stuff like that. And they're already moving on. This is, they're recruiting now for 2020 mm-hmm. and the list is long of the, uh, if you look at, uh, UCF sports.com and Brandon doing an awesome job there with the recruiting, the list is very long. He had an article about it, or at least a, a thing on the message boards about that the other day. The list is is extremely long of the guys for twenty twenty. Already looking so, ahead to the next. Well, you have, class. Yeah, yeah, you have to. And there's even some guys for twenty twenty one. I think that are on the on a list as well. That's so, crazy to me. Yeah. Well, you have to, and it looks good. It looks good. The guys that uh, they're getting, you know, they're looking at and, and giving offers to. All these offers that you see on on Twitter and stuff, I was, you know, all these kids posting, I, I got an offer. Those are the 2020 kids. Those aren't those mm-hmm. aren't 2019 kids anymore that are saying stuff like that. Those are those are all there's a few. There's a few people left. Obviously, there's, you know, some schools didn't do as much in December as they're going to do later on in February. But and we'll get a couple more. 
there's a couple kids out there that that uh, still need to sign someplace that are commits and all that stuff to us. So be for some of those kids that don't sign, they can kind of hold back and be courted by quite a few. Then they're a little bit. You know, yeah. Then they're wanted in a different way, not being in the first. And they have uh, group. been. I mean, yeah. that's that's what kind of happens. So you'll, I don't know. I think once this evolves, once it gets a few more years of doing the December and the February thing, you may see it even out a little bit. But I love the December thing because it gets them signed, and and there's some that are already even here already. But so. for coaches. You know, remember Coach Heupel being in the American Championship mm-hmm. game, they had another week that they had to prepare the for bowl a game. game yeah. And you've got these coaches. I mean, UCS been fortunate to have a January 1 bowl game back-to-back. It was, uh, was it Louisiana Tech's coach, Holtz, was in the Hawaii Bowl. He was recruiting, you know, because this is a third week of December bowl. Right. He's, he's, he's out there for bowl festivities, time change. Talking to kids on the phone, it puts uh, yeah. those early bowl game coaches in a difficult situation. I bet you anything, if you ask the coaches, though, they love it. They mm. think that this is way better. Because they want to get those kids signed on the dotted line as quick as they can so nobody else can get to them, honestly. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Yeah. So April 13th, the spring game. It'll be right around the corner. We'll continue with our um, look at uh, how about we combine wide receivers and the tight end group yeah. um, into one it's perfect discussion, and then we'll move to offensive line, which will be a, a, a lengthier conversation. Obviously, we're going to do a lot more of this as the... the this is just the This after, is the early, yeah. yeah. This Wh- is what our, do we got left kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, UCF winners of the Uniswag Uniform of the Year for their Space Game uniform. Awesome. Well-deserved. Awesome. Well-deserved. There were some they other do. good ones, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were. Uh, I, I wish they would have got that helmet award, I think, because I think the helmet was really cool, and I don't remember who got the helmet uh, award from them. It wasn't UCF, I don't care. Kansas no. was in there. Kansas? Yeah. Kansas had a military appreciation Oh, a lot of those teams do really good with really those cool. military appreciation. Yeah. They really they do a good job I think Army had the absolute best one for that, though. The uh, They had a, a uniform that... Gave homage to the the big red one, and I'm from Kansas, and the big red one is is uh, stationed in Fort at Fort Riley, Kansas. So that one was very very cool, mm. and it I, I recognized that logo on their uniform immediately. It's just a red one, mm. you know, kind of with a the little patch thing. So that was awesome that they did that. Gotcha. Um, thank you, everyone, for your votes and participation on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline on the second annual Nightliner Awards. Uh, some uh, some heated uh, back and forth uh, going on in the voting in some of these Yeah, uh, a couple of them were pretty tight, I um, think, right? Running back uh, going away, big winner, Greg McRae, 88% of our vote, uh, the big winner at running back. Wide receiver, uh, Gabe Davis, uh, the big winner there and uh we talked to mac loudermilk coming up in this episode number 178 and he was talking about how he was trying to throw some votes to caleb perez for uh special I don't think teams that he player knew there. that he maybe didn't realize that that was our Not uh, at first i don't think he, that was our poll but matthew wright won that 60 percent of the vote for special teams player of the year again deserved offensive lineman this was really close uh, jordan johnson edges out cole schneider and wyatt miller uh, for offensive linemen, Cole of Schneider, the year. y'all is is the real deal, and he is yes. really young. He he was a redshirt freshman this year, fresh redshirt for uh, 
not a redshirt freshman All-American, but a freshman All-American. That's a big deal. Who would you, uh, so the Schneider family rallied around some votes on Twitter, but some family member asked us who we were voting for. I, I voted for him. Did you vote for him? I voted for him, yes. Cole Schneider. Although um, I love Jordan Johnson. Like, the interviews and stuff with him are cool. He's just a cool dude. Offensive player of the year, Mackenzie Milton out uh, votes Greg McCray. Well, yeah, I think anything that McKenzie's in at this <laughs> I point, think he's got his name you could on. put him in any of those. <laughs> He'd win defensive linemen. He'd of the win year, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speak. <laughs> that was another tight competition on defensive linemen. Titus Davis edges out Tristan Hill, Joey Connors for the award. Uh, that one kind of surprised me, honestly. I thought that uh, I thought that Richie Grant would maybe have done better. Well, he got defensive back. No, he got defensive back. Yeah. Well, defensive back, but. Wouldn't a defensive player of the year? He won whatever? defensive player of the year. Oh, he did. Yeah, he won defensive. I thought you player. said Titus Davis did. This was a, a defensive lineman. Oh, okay. Well, then he should have yeah. won that one. Okay. Uh, defensive well. back Richie Grant was your big winner. Linebacker tight race here. Nate Evans uh, out votes uh, Pat Chizinski. Yeah. So Nate Evans, and then the defensive player of the year, pretty big Richie Grant. Oh, Richie Grant did. Okay. Yeah. I, see, I, I looked at it wrong. I thought I saw Titus Davis at the top. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, I just do an alphabetical for my own. Yeah, name. Richie Grant definitely should have gotten that. So it seems sure. like um, a pretty. I mean, a couple of them were pretty tight on yeah. the voting, and I know that the got a lot of players coming back that are on this list too. Yeah, and uh, by and large, year over year, we had more votes uh, in these. So good, good to see. Um, good to thank see you good, for voting uh, on this stuff. We appreciate it. Uh, this is just something that we're doing for fun. So. To pass the time until spring football. Yeah, well, we need to keep coming up with different stuff. Yeah. I've been sharing uh, from the UCF uh, that they gave out at the the bowl game, different Mm -hmm. stats about UCF as we go into a break. UCF is ranked number three. The Florida Interactive Entertainment Academy is ranked number three video game graduate school in North America by the Princeton Review and PC Gamer Magazine. UCF. Awesome. Awesome in video gaming. Well, I mean, you know, cybersecurity, too. From Apopka to Atlanta, across Night Nation, Nightline, your source for the best UCF conversation continues in just a moment. We welcome Mr. Mac Loudermilk on to talk about his once flowing locks and what he hopes is next in his football career. Hey, this is Travis Dever, Kai's Real Estate, the Dever team, New Smyrna Beach. Your source for real estate and everything else, New Smyrna Beach. Proud sponsor of Nightline and Nightline Post Game Live. Call me anytime at 386 690 1636. That's 386-690-1636. Let me show you my hometown, New Smyrna Beach, UCF's favorite beach. Go Knights and charge on. His stats are impressive, but punter Mac Loudermilk's legacy at UCF will likely be remembered for more than just his play on the field. Mac joins us now on the Nightline Hotline. Mac, welcome to Nightline. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, so are you feeling a little more aerodynamic these days since you shed the locks? Yeah, I'm definitely feeling a little bit lighter, that's for sure. What was that whole thing like? Uh, followed you on uh, video online, and talk a little bit more about the cause with which you contributed funds to. Yeah, so, uh, man, going through the whole process, it was it was fun. It was kind of nerve-wracking because once my mom took that first snip, I mean, there was, there was no going back from that. And so it was just kind of, uh, kind of an image that I've made over the past three years within a, a 10-minute span. But uh, it for the reason why I cut it, um, you know, I donated to the Locks of Love Foundation. 
And I had two family members that went through the whole cancer treatment process. And uh, through that process, I saw them kind of become a shell of who I used to remember them to being when I was a, a younger kid. And for me, I can always grow my hair back out if I choose to do so. But when I when those uh, ponytails go off to get made into a wig for someone that uh, that can't you know really grow hair anymore, then if I can just brighten their mood somehow, then I'll always do that. Well, right on. That's a, a very, very cool thing to do. I think it was the video where you shaved your beard off, and I commented on there, I bet your mom really likes this, and she commented back, of course. When I first met your mom, I think she told me, she's like, oh, I can't stand the hair and the beard and all that stuff, so I'm sure yeah, that she, she's enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, she, she loves it, man. She, she has her thing back. She not the mountain man anymore. Well, I've grown to kind of know your family over the last couple of years, and uh, they're good people, and we're going to miss all of you for sure at UCF. What was your favorite moment being at UCF and, and kind of being the, the crazy punter that you are? I mean, you're, you're, you're a little bit different than most of the punters out there. So what was yeah. your favorite moment, I guess, of, of your time at UCF? Uh, my favorite moment would have to be uh, the Peach Bowl victory. You know, I mean, just whenever we have a chance to go out and prove the nation wrong, no one gave us a shot to win that game, especially since Frost was leaving. They didn't think we had it in us. And so whenever we just go out there and prove prove the doubters wrong and just show what you see football is all about, what we're able to do, then uh, that's, always, that's always an awesome feeling to do that. Whenever we have uh, guests on, we talk about the incredible run, the 25 straight games. As a player, talk about it from inside the locker room. Just how difficult is it to do what you guys have done over two seasons? I mean, I don't think people really realize what, what it takes to, to do that, to win, let alone 25, let alone 12 games in a season. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it really came down to, toward, towards the end of the 12 year, when O'Leary uh, stepped down, it, there was a lot of, it was, the locker room was divided. It, was, it wasn't good in there. Uh, that was the first thing we had to sit through Frost and through Coach Hypo. We were able to really build a brotherhood inside that locker room, and they showed on the field. And I think as long as you have that, just that solid group of guys in the locker room who are going to do whatever it takes to go and get that next, that next inch to win the game, then uh, then that's all, that's all it really takes. It's just each other, each player playing for each other, playing for their brother to your left and to your right. So, do you think the things that you learned playing college football will, even if your your career doesn't continue in football, I hope it does. Obviously, I'm not saying that, but. If it doesn't, or when it ends later on in life, uh, are those lessons that you learned playing football going to be valuable to you, and you're going to be able to uh, put those into whatever you do? Absolutely. I think that's one of the great things about sport, and football especially, is the, the life lessons that you learn from it. You know, I mean, it, it would have been really easy for somebody to just throw in the towel and quit in the 0-12 season. But uh, I think it shows a lot for the guys, especially the O'Leary kids who stood around, uh, stuck around afterwards, and really put their nose to the grindstone and, really, and got this uh, this organization up to where it is now at this level. And it would have been so easy just to transfer out after O'Leary left. You know, when the, the head coach leaves, and the players can transfer freely with no penalty. It would have been really easy just to tuck, tuck tail and run, go to some other organization who was who finished, you know, nine and three, eight or something like that. And then it's just it's just it's that no quit attitude that a lot of these kids have on this team. And that's what made it so special. All right. So, what went through your mind when O'Leary quit after that season? Uh, um, I hated it. You know, 
believed what the coach would give me my shot at playing college football. He believed in me, uh, believed in my abilities, and brought me in on scholarship. Whenever they already had Caleb Houston, who's already here, who's on scholarship, was doing a really good job. And so, uh, you know, I hate it. I hate the part of his legacy we remembered as after that 0 12 season. Um, and he, he loved his kids to death. I mean, he was hard to play for. But off the field, he loved, he loved his, his players. And I, I hate that, you know, that, that kind of little blemish is on his, his resume. But, uh, he's a great coach, a great man. And I wish nothing but the best for him. If you could uh, think back on having played for a couple of different coaches, what's a takeaway that you have from O'Leary, from Frost, from Heupel? Some moment you learned something different from each of them. Yeah, from O'Leary, it's just, you know, you got to keep fighting when it gets sticky. And there's where it's, it's, it's always going to be a sticky situation on the football field. And you just got to fight through it. Through Frost, it was, you know, you can't do anything unless it's, it's, you know, it's a team. You got to have that brotherhood in the locker room. You got to fight for each other and play for that boat to your left and boat to your right. And then from Hyper, it was just, you got to go one to know every day and everything you do. And, and it sounds cliche, but if you can go one to know in whatever task you do in life, you'll always come out as a, as a winner. I hear that phrase creeping up now in the baseball interviews at baseball media the other day. Some of the players talking mm-hmm. about just one and zero each game, not looking ahead to series and the whole season. We spoke right. in preseason camp, and then in the story that ran on Nightline, I said a guy you really don't want to see very much. And some people pointed out, yeah, but he's a heck of a holder, so we do want to see him out there a lot, if not for punting. And then, of course, you win the Mortel Holder of the Year award. What did you think of uh, winning that prize? No, I mean, that's awesome. Just be able to, to win that award and how that thing all, uh, all got created and the whole message behind that award, it's, it's really neat, and I'm, I'm blessed to have won it this year. And talk about your special teams teammates and Caleb Perez and Matthew Wright. Uh, you guys have been locked down solid the last couple of seasons and uh, tough cleats to replace. Yeah, they're my boys, that's for sure. Um, and I, I think we, uh, I saw a poll – I think it was maybe earlier this month on my like the, the three best or the, the best best from this past season it was me, Caleb, and Matt. And uh, I voted for Perez because I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does. And uh, many people don't know this, but he played the last two seasons with a torn ACL and me. And so uh, just how reliable he was given his condition and being all, one of the first ones on the field every single time. The snaps were in the money. Me and Matt couldn't do our jobs without Perez, so Perez should get a whole lot more credit than he does. Uh, you know, I think that that was our poll. I think that's the best part of yeah. it. <laughs> Thank you, though, for voting. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, so what's next for Matt Loudermilk? Um, right now, plan A is the NFL. We're going to give that a, a shot for a couple of years, and if that don't work out, then plan B is to start coaching in college and get a GA job somewhere, work my way up the coaching tree. Okay, so you want to be a coach. That's awesome. Absolutely yeah, awesome. Yeah. Now, is your dad a football coach? Is that Do I remember that yeah, right? My, yeah, my dad's a high school coach. He, uh, he was, I was fortunate to play under him in high school and everything. So I was a living experience. So much is made of the NFL draft, and we hear a lot about agents, but not often from the perspective of a punter. How did you go about selecting an agent, and what feedback are you getting as we get closer to that NFL draft? Um, for me, the whole agent selection process was is kind of like me conducting a job interview for different guys. 
you know, I have to look and see, you know, what what guy is going to have the best connections for me, who's going to get my name out there the most, who's going to do more for me in this aspect. And so uh, finally, I, I got it down to uh, to Glenn Schwartzman, who has a couple of guys in the league right now. He has a very good track record, a lot of experience, a lot of connections in the NFL. And so uh, it's just that's not the best choice for me to go with as far as that goes. And then, you know, I, I, have, I don't really have an idea of what I'm going to go with right now. I guess that kind of all gets uh, – about more once pro day comes and happens and everything. But right now, I'm just kind of enjoying it day by day. And then we have this childhood dream of mine. Would you consider some of these other leagues? You have the new Alliance League, the Orlando Apollos. You've got the XFL on the horizon in 2020. Of course, Canadian football. Is it NFL or bust, or would you be open to uh, other professional league opportunities? No, I'd definitely be open to other professional league opportunities. As long as I can just have a chance to play this game, uh, I'll more than likely do that as long as I possibly can, as long as my body lets me, I'll say. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just never been about the money for me. You know, I mean, the NFL checks great and everything. But uh, I, just, I just love playing the game, honestly. The game is my life. I've grown up around it since I was a little kid. And so uh, I, just, I just really can't imagine, you know, what life would be like without being around football in some shape or form. Considering uh, the punters that are out there right now, is there anybody that you look up to? Yeah, I mean, Johnny Hecker's one of the best in the league plays for the Rams in the Super Bowl coming up. You know, he's he has a massive leg. He, he runs a lot of stakes. Um Thomas Morstan's also a great guy that I look up to. Super talented. Um yeah, I mean those those are the two really the big ones that I watch. Uh Pat McAfee got the celebrations from him. Uh just how he handles himself off the field. He's a, he's a character. He's a funny guy. I've got to talk to him a couple of times. Look down the earth guys too. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's really, those are the three kind of guys I just like kind of mold my game around, really. Are we maybe selling you a little short on pro day and draft time, throwing out uh, that the possibility you could also quarterback a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, been a little while removed from that game to be able to do that for pro day and everything, so. I don't know about that. Yeah, so you played some other positions in high school, right? Like, you played quarterback? Yeah. yeah, so in high school, I played pretty much everything besides the offensive line and the defensive side of the ball. So I was a quarterback, tight end, H-back, fullback. I played a little slot receiver, too, my uh, junior year, and then punter and holder as well. Very cool, very cool. Well, not a lot of people can say that, but I guess when you're the coach's son, he uh, puts you wherever he thinks you're best at, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah I can hit the team is where I go, so. All right, you're the ultimate insider. Give Knights fans a, a sense of what this team looks like in the 2019 season. They seem stacked coming back. What's another year of Josh Heupel, his offense, and this crew coming back? What do you think they can do in 2019? Um, you know, I think it's gonna, the offense and defense both are going to be a whole lot more dangerous now that we have a year into system. Um, things are going to go a whole lot faster on offense. Defense is going to be a whole lot meaner. They'll be a whole lot more aggressive. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what these boys do now, not on, on the stand and not on the sidelines with them. So it's an older perspective. So I hope uh, nothing but the best for those boys this year. What about at the punter position? Who replaces Mac Loudermilk? Um, right now there's going to be a battle in the spring and the summer for the job. You know, the, uh, Andrew Osteen came in last year and was my backup, and then they also brought in a new recruit, um, the signing class. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, best of luck to both of those guys. Uh, I hope they compete like crazy because uh, that's how we make this team better. 
you have quite the presence on Twitter, but, you know, Andrew mentioned earlier, knowing your family, your mom, as part of this mom squad, has a personality on there as well. What do you think when you're on Twitter and you see her so active engaging with fans and touting her son? Uh, she gets more attention than I do, so that's good for me. <laughs> well, I, when I, I think when I first talked to her, I realized where you got your personality from. Uh, yeah. You definitely, definitely got a lot of it from her. She's absolutely awesome, your dad as well. It, it's been very cool to have you guys and, and that party that they threw after for the seniors, and, and that was pretty legendary as far as parents' uh, parties go. And uh, we're going to miss you for sure. Thank you so much, Mac. Really appreciate it. Uh, hope that things go well for you. We'll obviously be watching, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again. All right, sounds good. Thank you for having me on here. All right, well, it was really cool to talk to Mac, Mac Laddermilk. Unfortunately, his phone didn't sound great, but uh, that that's what happens with cell phones, I guess. So He's uh, raised some $5,000 for Locks of Love just by cutting off his, his hair. Awesome. I might have bid for that hair. <laughs> <laughs> was like, it an auction? I don't know. Could you buy that? No, on I mean it's eBay? going for a good cause, no. but I would have. Boy, I'd have liked to have a lock. No, just just uh, his hair. Oh, like you would have. Yeah, yeah, you would have liked that. Would have liked that for a kept day. your head a little bit warmer than yours is yeah, doing. I'm huh? wearing a hoodie. <laughs> Crying out loud. All right, knights in the pros. Former UCF quarterback Jeff Godfrey, who was playing uh, for the was I should say playing for. The Orlando Apollos has pulled a hamstring and is listed on their uh, injured reserve, which means, which this is a different deal in this American, are they? It's only uh, a 10 game season. Whatever they call it, the, uh, (laughs) I keep, keep, Alliance of American Football. Football. That's funny. Um, I'll get it one of these days. It's kind of a long name. Anyway, uh, so he's placed on injured reserve, which means he, if he returns this season, he would go through a waiver protocol and would be, be eligible to be claimed by any other team in the league, which is really crazy. But if he sits out the rest of the year, the Apollos retain his rights and could return for the Apollos next season. Doesn't it seem like it should be the opposite? If it he should. comes back in four weeks, shouldn't he be back on the Apollos if they want to it have should, him? It should, but this is another way that they're going to do things a little bit differently than the NFL, which is totally fine with me. I'm really looking forward to some of these rules. Not all of them. Do. You don't. You want the kickoffs. Though. I want kickoffs. No kickoffs in this league. So there's no kickers, By I'm the way, assuming, right? No, there's because kickers. There's... Well, they still have field goals. They don't have extra points, though. I think they go for yeah, they, two on everything. They go for two on everything, so no Did you notice points. in the Pro Bowl, no kickoffs? They were just lining up. I didn't watch. I it. think this. Is... I watched about five minutes of it. I watched Mahomes, Mahomes yeah. throw that uh, that one t- the first touchdown pass, and then I was like, "Yep, it's <laughs> you've seen it. Yeah, seen that a bunch of times." Uh, Shaquem Griffin, winner of the NCAA's Inspiration Award. No surprise there. No, well, duh. What is this? In- the NCAA's Inspiration Award, Trace. He's inspiring. <laughs> oh my god i was hoping for a little bit more no, of i ex- looked it up explanation i looked it, it up uh he um it's a life-altering situation using perseverance dedication and determination to overcome the event and most importantly now serves as a role model to give hope and inspiration to others in similar situations boy he embodies that doesn't he yeah who else was nominated others <laughs> <laughs> i knew you would never oh, no it's good it, you don't, don't you don't that. have to look for that 
But anyway, that's uh, that's our knights and the pros for now. Uh, do we have anybody? We don't have anybody in the Super Bowl, do we? Not now. Yeah, no, dang not, it. Not since the Zebras stole it from the Saints. Oh, man. The referees need to stop becoming part of the game. I can tell you that. They want recognition somehow, but it's, it's they're getting it the negative they just, way. They just messed up on that non-call and that pass uh, interference. What, I mean, the Saints had other the, opportunities. But. What happened with the lawsuit, though? There was a lawsuit filed. Are they going to get to play that again? <laughs> they were supposed to play <laughs> the, the last that, two minutes over again what's or something? That, Tuesday at 3? When, yeah. when, when is that? <laughs> I don't know. That would be awesome, though. Tell you what, I'd like to replay is uh, UCF men's basketball at Memphis Sunday. Out hustled, out rebounded. We will talk about the Sunday loss in Memphis. uh, That with Ben Stout, he'll have the analysis for us. And do be sure to check out Nightline at nightlinesports.com. You've got all sorts of t-shirts to choose from. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, Sons of UCF shirt on there. Well, I'll tell you what. Now that Jeff Godfrey was on the show last week, and now he's hurt. It's like Sports Illustrated curse over there now. Oh, man. You, know, you think you want to go on that show? No. <laughs> oh. Well, that's why, you know, he's never invited either of us on, and now I don't want to, I don't want to pull anything. I don't yeah. want to get hurt. Tearing ACL or something. Mm. It'd be horrible. Stay with us. You've heard us talk about the great food at our good friend Kyle Israel's restaurant, The Little Greek Fresh Grill. The Little Greek now has franchises available. Please call 407-697-2272. That's 407-697-2272 to see what The Little Greek can do for you. Also, check out The Little Greek's newest location at 6536 Old Brick Road in Windermere, Florida. The Little Greek Fresh Grill. Fresh, flavorful, fabulous. No spin on this one. The Knights did not play well Sunday, losing in Memphis 77-57. UCF now 5-2 and two in the American, 15-4 and four overall. Let's talk about it with former UCF men's basketball player Ben Stout, who's inside the paint and on the Nightline hotline. Ben, we exchanged text messages before the game. None of what we talked about happened well for UCF. Yeah, I got to agree, guys. Um, uh, good to speak with you. And, uh, unfortunately, it was just a real tough day for our Knights. Um, uh, yeah, like like you said, Trace, uh, we were texting back and forth and talked a lot about them um, trying to dictate uh, trying to dictate their pace to play at our pace. Um, uh, unfortunately, and it just didn't quite happen today. Uh, it seemed to be a lot of a lot of different issues that that we've uh, been a little bit worried about um, uh, this, this, pat- this whole season uh, just kind of surfaced in one game. And, it, you know, that's going to happen through the course of a long season. So uh, certainly this isn't a, um, you know, uh, a tournament elimination game by any means. Um, so that's the good news. It's a long basketball season. But, um, you know, some some days are going to have off days and some, some days it's going to be a uh, – a kind of a tough road no matter what you do and and this was definitely one of those games and it's a, it's really unfortunate that it happened at Memphis um just that's one of those that's one of those teams um kind of like kind of like an ECU and um in in football um it, that's probably a bad analogy because ECU has never been a powerhouse like Memphis has been in the past um but they're always one of those teams in conference that's going to play you tough no matter what type of year they're having and um and and it's it's always good to get a win especially on their home court and it just everything kind of fell apart today and it wasn't that wasn't possible at all for us so it's unfortunate but um 
uh, hopefully we can bounce back uh, this coming week. It seemed like they just couldn't get anything going today. Like they just couldn't get started, couldn't get, couldn't make a run, couldn't, you know, shoot free throws. What do they got to do yeah. to get to get things going against these teams that are going to really, you know, push them hard and and try to stop their game? I mean, we got Houston coming up. Houston, I know, yeah. is better than Memphis, so it's really going to be a problem if they don't fix things quickly. Yeah, I think uh, what I'd like to see, um, which is maybe a little bit of, of a unique take uh, from what I, uh, what I've talked about with some other UCF fans, but. Um, what I wouldn't mind seeing Johnny Dawkins install is a little bit of uh, a little bit of a three quarter court or even full court pressure. Um, he, he doesn't. We we have such a good half court defense, um, and once we get set in that defense, it's uh, it's really hard for um, teams to deal with it. Um, but when you play a team with such pace like Memphis, and they jump out on you early like they did today we just don't quite have the um i think we have the firepower just we were missing a lot of shots today i mean aubrey uh unfortunately just had his his uh you know toughest game his worst game in a knight's uniform today um uh, only two points when he scored in double figures plus uh every other games um since he's played uh, this season so um i i wouldn't mind picking up a little bit more of a full court pressure um, to see if we can do that, uh, especially if we're going to a shorter lineup um, with Colin at the five, maybe um, because what happens is if we go down on a team that likes to run like Memphis and compounded on top of that, our shooters who we rely on um, like Aubrey, for instance, is missing those outside shots. We're just not, we're not going to be able to feel like we can get back into the game in a quick way. And so sometimes chopping away at it, it, you get, you get a little impatient and you start forcing some bad shots. So I, um, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of a more pressure defense in the, in the three quarter court, full court to see if that could work on a team against, uh, that place at the pace, like, like, uh, like a Memphis and, um, and sometimes like Houston that we're playing in a couple of weeks. I, I don't, I don't really, see, I didn't really see the uh, free throw shooting as necessarily a terrible issue today. I mean, they, we shot about the same amount of free throws that they did. Um, uh, but, and, and, and they uh, made, a, they made like four more free throws. So, I mean, at a 20 point loss, uh, four free throws weren't, weren't the big difference. Um, but one of the things that, again, we've talked about before that is a problem is that we gave up way too many offensive rebounds today, gave them a lot of second chances. And, and, um, you know, that, that, that certainly hurt us. Yeah, I mean, that's the statistic I was going to point out to you. I mean, uh, in one regard, you look at a statistic, B.J. Taylor, 3 of 11, Aubrey Dawkins, 1 of 10. One of those guys can be off, but not both. But then you look at that rebounding, out-rebounded 46-28. UCF was uh, perfect 12-0 and when out-rebounding the other team. They should not be out-rebounded at Memphis. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, when we've got a big size advantage, we've got to be able to um, – to really push them on the boards and, and we've got to win that battle. And, uh, and it, it, it was just an, another, just another thing that, that didn't, didn't go well for us today. 
Well, and I'm concerned that they didn't play particularly well at Wichita State and now at Memphis. And down the stretch, they've got road games. And, of course, it's tight conference play and a conference tournament that is in Memphis. They've got to make a better showing on the road in a hostile environment. Yes, they do. Um, and and I'm certainly concerned in the, in the exact same way against those two opponents. The, um, the uh, you know, both of those games – in a very tough road environment, um, I mean, we we saw what what a difference that crowd made at Wichita State. Um, they really uh, kept them um, pushing hard in that game, and quite frankly, it was a it was a huge deficit on their ability to make shots and make some crazy shots because they felt like that crowd was making them invincible, and it was the exact opposite for our team playing against Wichita State. And um, that game at Wichita State played at a high pace as well. And so uh, when you get Taco running around on the defensive end, um, you know, that certainly uh, that certainly wore him out and kind of took him out of the game. And so, uh, you know, when when the game's not going for you very well and you're you're missing a lot of shots, um, uh you got to have something that you can kind of uh, you can kind of fall back on, and and our toughness has usually been what we have fallen back on, and we 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 definitely didn't give up today. We fought to the end, and so I'm proud of our guys for that. But it seemed like every time we tried to go down low, or or tried to or BJ tried to drive, for instance, um, they were. I don't want to say they were necessarily getting away with, uh, you know, some, some, some fouls or anything like that. It, it just, they, the, the refs were calling the game a little loose. They were kind of letting them play. And that was advantage Memphis. Cause when BJ would uh, drive down the lane and, uh, they would get some block shots there, or at least it was a no call. And, uh, they would certainly, um, turn the ball around quick. And even, even when we got some great defensive plays, uh, I think there was a one we were trying our best to do something in the second half. And there was, I, I can't remember if it was Terrell Allen or uh, maybe, uh, maybe Dayon Griffin had this spectacular block kind of in transition and Terrell Allen got the ball real fast and, and he pushes it on the break to Chad Brown and then Chad, and then, and then somebody misses the layup. Chad Brown gets the layup or gets the rebound, excuse me. And he missed his layup and got fouled and he only got one, one, you know, one, um, you know, one shot of the two. And so I think that was just an example of the way the game was going. It was just, uh, it was just everything wasn't quite working. You mentioned the full court press a little bit earlier, and Memphis was doing a lot of that against UCF today. What offensively can you do to work a little bit better against that? Yeah, we've got some we got some strong ball handlers on our team, and 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 in um, in Terrell Allen and BJ Taylor, especially. Uh, I mean, these are two guys that that can really handle the ball well. So if we can get them in the get them the ball in the middle of the court and then you just kind of clear out everybody it, it forces the the rest of the um the rest of the press to go away or get you know get back because the rest of our team is back and so a lot of the times they've been able to dribble out of the press um but a uh, fanta- uh you know a really 
good way to break the press um, if it, if we are struggling against it um, in order to at least get the ball in is that uh, we can utilize, as I've called him, the most unique player in college basketball where you can get Taco in the middle of that and get the ball into him and then he can get it off to one of our guards um, uh, and you can kind of get through the press that way. Um, they, they were able to trap us a little bit today and, um, and we weren't at, we had a few turnovers. It wasn't any more than, than what we forced on them. So I didn't really see it as a terribly sloppy game. Um, but earlier in the year, um, we were struggling against a couple teams that were pretty good at the press uh, for some stretches, but you could kind of chalk that up to, we weren't quite, didn't have quite have the chemistry um, uh, that we had uh, that we have now. So you certainly don't want to see him struggle against the press now because that's a formula that could that could that could beat us. One of the things you look for now is uh, bouncing back. That's a mark of a team that recovers from a loss. You you, you got to take care of the home court. What are you looking for for them this week in practice? If you're Coach Dawkins and the players to get ready for Memphis, uh, not Memphis, Connecticut, uh, with a 9 o'clock tip time. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a 9 o'clock tip time on local, uh, you know, and a, a 9 o'clock Eastern is is, is tough. Um, it's, we've had some interesting uh, tip times this year, and I think that's kind of shows that how, um, you know, our conference is on TV more, our team is on TV more, and so you're going to get some kind of weird tip times um but anyways getting back into what they need to do um one of the things that you could look at as as a little bit of a concern is excuse me we had a um obviously a tough go of it at wichita state and then we came back home on an early tip um at noon tip on a on a saturday against tulsa and that first half wow did we come out pretty flat and nothing was quite working for us but what you saw in the second half is that the the right adjustments um you know they started to be more aggressive they started to push the ball more and um and the shots started falling and so you like to see that fight that our team has and 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 you saw that in in wichita state um where they fought to the very end you saw that where they come back um at home against tulsa so i think this team does have a lot of grit has a lot of toughness they're they don't they're not going to back down from anyone and they're going to take this they're going to take this loss and use it as motivation so i'm sure that coach dawkins is going to get their head right uh during practice this week he's going to He's going to get them going back to, um, you know, what has been successful this year. And that's um, a lot of inside out, um, a lot of crisp passes and a lot of crisp um, screens on the offensive end that we're coming off um, uh, very quickly and moving the ball well on offense uh, to create shots for um, for the teammates. And and of course, that hard nosed defense, I'm sure he's going to he's going to get them back to what we do what we do best as a team and uh i i have got a lot of confidence in coach dawkins i think he's going to get their head right and um and i'm looking forward to uh getting the 16th win of the season excuse me seven i guess it's 17th win of the season uh hopefully on um thursday evening all right ben thank you so much for joining us uh really appreciate it these guys got a lot of work ahead of them and this is kind of the meat of the schedule so they really really need to get it going yeah, we do. Um, the, the The toughest games in this conference are coming up, 
and it's going to be a hard stretch uh, starting with Memphis today. And unfortunately, we fell uh, we fell short in a lot of areas today and that we need to clean up. And um, we got some tough games coming up. But the, what we're, what we know about this team, uh, we're going to find out, um, you know, how, how good this team can be in these next 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 10 11 12 games as we finish out this season so it's not going to be easy um, but i've got a lot of confidence in this team i think they're one of the more talented groups um, if not the most talented two groups that we've had and i'm excited to see what they can bring um, we this was certainly not as i said not a turn tournament elimination game um, we're going to use this as motivation and bounce back all right well we'll see if they bounce back i hope so thursday uh uconn Tip time, 9 o'clock. Why do they do this? TV. Uh, yeah, I know. TV. But it's just... Well, 9 means 11, and then, uh, you know, post-game interviews and things like that. That's usually about 45 minutes, and um, then the drive back to Sanford, Vegas, and, uh, you know, it's the next day. Jeez. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so here's what this loss means, by the way. It's still early, okay? It is. It's still early. But you counted them out in, like, the second week I or something. I declared the season over when they lost yeah. to um, FAU. Yeah. They've got some clunker losses though yeah they do really but they're 15 and 4 overall 5 and 2 so at the top here is houston 7-1 you're going to the houston game yeah then a week out from yeah. thursday that boy that they're good they yeah. only, only have the one loss houston 7-1 20 and 1 overall already hit 20 wins that's crazy in january cincinnati's 7-1 and 18 and 3 overall then you got uh, uh everybody grouped up here ucf's 5 and 2 temple's 5 and 2 ucf beat temple earlier this year uh, memphis is 5 and 2 SMU four and three cows four and four. So what we're in like thirteenth place now? No, no, tied uh, tied for <laughs> There's not even third. Teams, no, but... tied for third. I mean, people need to calm down about they're out of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they certainly still control all their own. No, destiny. they're not out of the tournament. You look yet. at the uh, look at the schedule. That's still not a lot till of after they lose to Houston. No, no not just, even that. Not I'm even just, that. I'm, I know, but they're projected to be number one and um, stumble at Wichita, stumble at Memphis. Boy, that would be a good game. Maybe these, maybe just maybe, they're they will peak at the right time towards the end, like they have before that year that they went to the couple of two years ago. They went to the NIT Final Four. They mm-hmm. peaked right at the right, right time. time. Yeah, and yeah. and the season wasn't any better than this season's going. Then. This is better. This than, is better is, than that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're still in it. People losing their minds. I mean, they're they're, they're off not going to lose. Start. To, they're not going to lose to Houston. Don't. Well, they may lose to Houston, but whatever. I'm UConn, just, I think uh, they beat UConn. Yeah, I hope that they they don't lose to Houston. Taking a look at your nightline planner: women's golf in Tampa on the twenty eighth for the Florida Challenge. Women's basketball welcomes Houston on the thirtieth at six. There's a normal tip time six. Yeah, how about that? On the thirty first, men's tennis hosts Florida. Track and field heads to Columbia, South Carolina, February first for the weekend Carolina Challenge. And on the third, busy day, women's golf hosts the UCF Challenge. Women's tennis hosts Baylor, and the cows. Our women's basketball at one. Again, another normal two. Yeah, one that's, that's good stuff. All right, baseball and softball are practicing. We hear from the head coaches next, only on Nightline. Spice up your company with homemade marketing services from Tasty Gravy Creative. Tasty Gravy serves up a menu of budget-friendly marketing, graphic design, and public relations services customized to your specific goals. Co-owned by a UCF graduate, Tasty Gravy can help refresh your brand, strengthen your online presence, or reinforce your company's message. Contact Tasty Gravy for help with your website, social media, marketing, advertising materials, and more. Visit TastyGravy.com.
Media Day Friday. The start of practice must mean the 2019 UCF baseball season is approaching fast, which I am very glad about. The opener is Friday, February 15th against Siena. We learned that UCF will start the season without senior right-hand pitcher Chris Williams. He's going to miss nine games because he played, of all things, club baseball in 2015, and that impacts his eligibility. Oh, wow. That's a bummer. And, I mean, there are times where we're not happy with the NCAA, but they they could have said he was done. Yeah. So they docked him nine games, which is, you know, against Siena, right? You know, right. some of these series. Yeah. And not knocking Siena. But so he'll be back for league Yeah, play, he'll be though. back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's, conference yeah, no, Well, long yeah. before that. He's yeah. going to be out to, you know, the first oh, three nine series. games goes yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah three games a week. playing just one game. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, Knights head coach Greg Lovelady knows team chemistry is key this uh, season, a year after the Knights just missed out on an NCAA postseason appearance. That was a campaign marked by a half dozen guys keeping a pretty close eye on their own Major League Baseball draft status. At the end of last season, you were a little frustrated with guys maybe eyeballing their draft position or eyeballing their stats. What adjustments have you made to even that out a bit and focus on team ball rather yeah, than individual stats? You know, we've talked a lot about that and understanding that those personal um, goals and, and things like that are, are results of how we do. The better that the team does, the, the more um, accolades that we get personally, um, whether it's all conference, all Americans, the draft. Um, the longer you play in the postseason, the, the more high-profile looks you get from people that make the decisions. Um, and so, again, as, as the better the team does, most of the time the better people do on the team individually in terms of what they want to accomplish. Um, I've also just tried to connect more with the players, uh, trying to build better relationships, uh, deeper relationships. So um, trying to have those conversations um, as we get kind of near the end of the year and you know being able to have honest conversations with them to understand that hey like i know what you want to accomplish i know what you want to try to do but uh, you got to trust me and believe in and what we're trying to do here and understand that if if we're able to do those things that you're going to be able to get what you want at the end and if you put the team and um, sacrifice and uh, put all those stuff first then uh, you'll get rewarded on the back end Let's hope so. More sound from Coach and the players in the weeks ahead, uh, only on the Nightline Sports Network. Probably trot out a couple of Nightline Nows. Um, yeah, you know, we've got a couple good. of weeks yet. Talk to a variety of players, some pitchers, some position players, Ray Alejo, Matthew Micah. So we'll hear from them. They're projected fourth in the American. None of that means anything. Yeah. Really. No. Uh, and Never they don't did. really care about it. You know, it's just uh, what they do when they start playing. I'll tell you what, though, I liked is a lot of them were saying, Got to go one and zero each game. One and zero. I'm like, well, good. You get that Josh Heupelisms. You know, <laughs> that's good. Um, Heupel's uh, rubbing off. For you locals, don't forget baseball's Fan Fest that happens before Thursday's men's basketball game against UConn. That's out in front of the arena. So when the game would normally be taking place, it's a seven. It, they'll have Fan Fest, and then the game will be at nine. Right. Well, I'm going to have to make it out to some baseball games. You, you threaten year. this every year. Well, it's a little easier now that no, some of those true. night games and stuff I could maybe make. So. Practice underway for softball, too, under first-year head coach Cindy Ball-Malone. She's replacing longtime coach Renee Lures-Gillespie, who's now at Iowa. Got a chance to talk with Coach Ball. Nice lady. Nice lady. She's really excited to be here. Cool. And uh, she's excited for the season to get underway, too. I think the challenge is learning each other is the big thing. You know, just having change, being different from what they've known in the past. 
So even if I tried to say, okay, I'm going to do everything the same as what they've done here. Well, I'm not, I'm not Renee, right? So I can't coach like her. I can't be like her. I have to be myself. And so I think that's the challenge is she's done a great job here in her time. And now my job is to be me and try to take the program from where she left it and um, in such a great place and continue to make it better each day. The Knights welcome Ole Miss. That's right around the corner, Thursday, February 7th at the UCF Softball Complex. Nice interview with Coach. Can we uh, drop the whole thing maybe later in the week as an extra or yeah, something like that? Absolutely. About 10 minutes uh, Q&A, but I think it give you an opportunity to get to know her a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. Which former Knights might be the biggest standouts with the Orlando Apollos? That's in Ask Nightline when Nightline 178 returns. Hey, Night Nation. It's Adam from the Sons of UCF. Be sure to check out our show every Wednesday only on the Nightline Sports Network. Now, back to two guys who probably won't be Cow of the Week nominees, Andrew and Trace. Ask a Nightline is brought to you by Chad Bar Law. Chad is a UCF alumnus and diehard Knights fan. Chad Bar Law handles auto accident, slip and fall, and personal injury cases. Call Chad today at 407-599-9036 for a free consultation. That's 407-599-9036. Armor up and call Chad Bar Law today. Time again for Ask Nightline, answering the questions that you pose to us on our Facebook page or via Twitter at hashtag AskNightline. For those of you not in Central Florida, but perhaps you watch the Pro Bowl Sunday, you know that it is just terrible here it's cold it's rainy it's just i'm just down today yeah, about the whole thing it's, and it's bad i think it's impacted the variety and the quantity of ass nightline questions where were <laughs> guess so. where were all your questions yeah folks come on yeah come on. Is it off-season hangover here I by the way so. a little favor to ask people and i don't really know how to do this maybe you can explain the technical how about some reviews some new reviews on the itunes or whatever okay, or our, yeah. how does that work well, i don't know they just Go on there if it asks you to what you think about this uh, podcast or whatever. The five star reviews help, uh, you know. Only good ones, though. You don't put negative ones, please. Good. We need good reviews. I'm fine the, with whatever. We need the they five star say, but... reviews. Yeah. It doesn't really. I mean, it's just for our our yeah. narcissism. <laughs> Is that a word? Uh, Narcissistic uh, tendencies. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. So <laughs> at uh, Phil Talks Sports. What former night will make the biggest impact with the Apollos this season? Assuming the, the you know, the roster shakedown, you know. Yeah, well, assuming they make the team, I think that Assuming it's... they don't go on the Sons of UCF show, because then you end up with a hamstring. <laughs> oh, hey. Uh, yeah, Adam, be careful with that. Anyway, um, I'm thinking probably Rennell Hall, because Speedy has got a lot left in him. I know that he does, and uh, he got kind of a raw deal with all the places that he went in the NFL there. So I think that this is his chance to show that he's what he's made of. And I think that he makes the biggest impact personally. He'd be my answer. Um, there's so many good ones though. Again, assuming they all make the, uh, the roster storm Johnson is on there too. Yeah. Who uh, could... Aaron Evans. Yeah. Lineman. Chris Martin. Lineman. Um, Shaquan Burkett. Burkett like to, could do I'd like some to see him too, do some yeah. Tony Gerard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Gerard too. Yeah, That's a, there's he, some guys in there that yeah. could, could make an impact. Offensively, I think it's going to be speedy, though. 
Hmm. I'm, I'm with you on that one. At No Scrub Sports, you remember those guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What do you all predict will be the best attended home game for UCF men's basketball? Hmm. Okay, Houston. so here's your choice. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Houston. Uh, well, one, it's a 7 o'clock game. Yeah. I don't think it's 9 o'clock game. It's it's a disadvantage for us not being able to bring the energy to the level. You saw are these UCF the last home games? No, they're just. The, I think they just threw the night. I don't think. Is this really down to five home games? Is that right? I no, don't know. they can't be. They're just. They've just played seven games. No, that's. I think it's just the next five. Oh, okay. Or it's random five, but it, they've got the Thursday game with UConn at nine o'clock. No, that maybe's five thousand. Uh, February seventh, seven p.m. Houston. That I think that's a I chance. Think that's going to uh, be even though it's a Thursday night. February thirteenth against the cows. They bring zero people over from Tampa. So yeah. that's not going to be Sunday at noon. Nope. Nobody goes at noon. Yeah. And then Thursday at seven. Cincinnati. Both the Houston and Cincinnati games. Yeah. Houston or Cincinnati. I think it's going to be Houston, though, because Houston's ranked, you know, 17th or whatever now. And I don't know what they are now. That was the last time I saw 17. But but yeah, they're they're up there. They're they're making waves, you know, so I, I would think that, that one would be an exciting one. Plus, I'm going to be there. So. Well, there you are. I mean, if I'm going to be there, then there's probably going to be a bunch of other people. Now, going. is there truth that you're going to set up a table in the concourse to meet and greet? Is no. There, no. No. <laughs> but that sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, how about this? There are tables in the concourse where they, like, give out the posters. No. Why don't you just sit behind one? <laughs> Nightline shirt. Sit behind one and just see and if just, anybody just comes bring a pile of rubber hi. bands and roll up some posters and go, hey. I'm Andrew from Nightline. Yeah. Well, we don't have any posters. No, so. they have posters. They give out the basketball oh, posters. We could steal you can some give of out the basketball I could give out the basketball posters. No, but if you're in the uh, loges, uh, that's where I'll be. So come say oh, hi. Oh, you're not going to hang out with the rest of us. No. I see. No. <laughs> <laughs> I will be in the, in the whatever direction. I had a, loge I saw a rumor or heard a rumor on Twitter that UCF Mike from the Sons of UCF will be at the game. Well, Travis had invited him to come sit with him and I. In the loge. Now, there we go again, the loge. But he uh, he is bringing his family. so Now he's no longer welcome. Well, there's the not enough tickets in the loge for his family. He has like eight kids. No, so, does he really? No. Oh. <laughs> See how rumors get started? <laughs> I don't know how many kids he has, but he eight, didn't want to leave the seven, wife eight. and kids like at a hotel or something and come and sit with That's us. That's the so, right thing to do. Yeah, it was it was the right thing to do. So it'll be me, Travis, and uh, my wife. Well, this would really be good then at the table. You and UCF Mike. I'd love and to the meet. eight kids. I, I, would, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to and meet the UCF wife, Mike. The wives I, I could yeah. all give out posters. I, yeah, well. I'll have to get with UCF Mike on that one. Seems like something. All right. Thank you, <laughs> all two of you, for sending in questions. That's the least we've ever gotten. It was. this hangover I'm in January. Kind of bummed about that. It's We like the curveballs. Next next week we'll have none. How about <laughs> we will have none next week? How about uh, if you were on a deserted island? Oh, no. We've already done yeah, that. Yeah. Come on. Whoever used to do Is that. Is UCF in the P5 yet? Yeah. Yeah. Need those wacky-do questions. Yeah. And now, news and notes from the world of UCF sports. Women's basketball loses their first game in league play. All Huskies, 93-57 at UConn. The third-ranked Huskies have never lost an American game. 108 straight league wins. UCF is now 6-1 and in the American and 17-3 and overall. I mean, they're having a great season, but what a buzzsaw UConn. Oh, they're so they're good. Just, 
it's they're doing something illegal. <laughs> they are illegal. Yeah. Reupped Danny White doles out a trio of contract extensions this week. Men's soccer head coach Scott Calabrese, women's soccer head coach Tiffany Roberts Sahedak, and volleyball head coach Todd Dagenet now inked through 2023. All right, congratulations, y'all. Women's soccer, formal, former goalkeeper Vera Veras signs a pro contract to play in Sweden. She played with a club, but I just listed Sweden because I knew you would have problems yeah, with thanks. Swedish name. Appreciate Women's it. golf welcomes Spain's Demana Viedis to a national letter of intent. Yeah, that was close. Cheerleading takes first in game day performance and the World Cup championship, but finishes sixth in the nationals. Kind of unexpected. I mean, yeah, they're that's, usually in that top three, four. I uh, know, that's a little bit. But at least they got the other two. Yeah. Track and field, the Knights with 11 top 10 finishes at the Bob Pollock Invitational at uh, Clemson University. Women's tennis, the 22nd ranked Knights beat the 23rd ranked Tulsa. Uh, UCF is 3 and 2. A little tougher for men's tennis. They lose 4-3 to Minnesota Sunday. A day earlier, the Knights lost 4-1 to number 10th-ranked Stanford. UCF is 0-3. Not accustomed to this around the university. Teams being 0-anything. Meantime, the Knights added two home matches to its schedule. They have added number 1-ranked Wake Forest and also Memphis. 12 of UCF's 18 matches are at home out at the USTA. All right, and finally, it's back. UCF Athletics Hall of Fame is now accepting nominations. Three categories, Legendary Knight, Accomplished Knight, and Honorary Letter Winner. Nominations are due by February 3rd, and you spell my last name (laughs) P-H-E-G-L-E-Y. Thank you very much. What do you think about that? You think, I mean, not that we're going to qualify for any of these things um, ever, but um, it would be (laughs) nice, wouldn't it? It would be be awesome. It would go right with that award right over there. But, you know, for these categories, you've got to be out seven to ten years. So we'd have to end this and then wait seven to ten years. All right. uh, Well, we're done. This is it. No, I'm just joking. How much longer do you think you can do this? I don't know. Another week? (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I go through that that whole thing every after every football season. I'm like, do I really want to continue doing this? Do I really want to continue I mean, doing? There's this? a lot of these now. They've really piled up. There I mean, is. 178 of the regular. Yeah, show, I was looking at it. We're coming up on 350 of everything. 350, including uh, Sons of UCF. They get included into that too. So. That's a lot of content. It is a lot of content, and we've we've worked hard. To I was do having this. a conversation with someone on Saturday who enjoys listening to the show, and I was talking. You found about, somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Send in those reviews, um, <laughs> and I was talking about. It's kind of boggles my mind how long this has been going on, right? So, we've we've had the eighteen football season. That's how I kind of mark it by football seasons: eighteen, seventeen, sixteen was the Cure Bowl year. Fifteen was the horrible year and then that year before yeah, that's been a while now yeah i mean it's five five years i think i started it right after the first fiesta bowl was when i started it wow that year yeah wow. in 2014 yeah so yeah we've been doing this a while i dig it it's fun it gets you know it like anything work gets old it's work it's fun but it, it's also work uh, especially in the off seasons I'm glad they've brought back the Athletics Hall of Fame. We could talk endlessly about the players that should be included in it. And, you know, Kevin Smith, you know, would be a name. Well, uh, if anybody's, I mean, just so many guys. If anybody's so many still people. listening, we should probably do that on another show. Not tonight. Yeah, no, too many people. All right. So, all right, guys. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Andrew Fegley. I'm Trace Trolko. Go Knights! Charge on. Oh, nice.